Hey, Kevin here, Skylabs, bringing you another video. Definitely gonna be a fun one. In this video, we are gonna continue the Buyer Beware series. And in this episode, we are gonna be looking at one of my favorite brands, Sansui. You're not gonna wanna miss this one, stick around. And the first one on the list that I wanted to talk about is from one of my favorite lines. It's the integrated line of Sansui known as the AU series. And there's three specific ones I wanna talk about in this video. And that is the AU 717, the 719, and the 919. And this is definitely the biggest bummer on the list for me in that I really like these integrated amplifiers. We've got big watts here. They look really cool, especially if you get the rack handles and even better if you put them in the Sansui rack. And for those of you out there that watch a lot of our videos, these amplifiers have what I consider kind of a more clinical sound, really good punch, really detailed, not a lot of colorization. That is one of the reasons why I really like the Sansui AU line. However, there is a problem with these units that is really a bummer. And that is they use a volume potentiometer by Alps. This is an encased volume potentiometer. And while I think the idea of encasing these volume pots was a good idea, as it would keep all the dust and debris and elements away from these wafers inside of the volume pot, it's also a challenge that you can't really clean them. And that's an issue. And this is also very well documented online in Audio Karma and places like that. Unfortunately, a lot of these are getting dead spots in the wafers. We've had some that the left channel really wouldn't kick in until you're about two or three notches into the volume pot. There's really not much you can do about it. Some people will take these apart. It, you're gonna be hard pressed to find somebody to do that. It's it, You almost need a, a watchmaker. It's time consuming, it's tedious. There's a lot of tiny parts and if they don't get put back correctly, you're really kind of screwed. Another method is to drill a few holes in the casing so you can get your spray cleaner nozzle into that casing and then kind of saturate those wafers and try and get that oxidation out. Sometimes this works, but also you run the risk of damaging that volume pot. And with these volume pots being so rare, a lot of people don't wanna take the risk of possibly ruining that volume pot just to try and fix those dropouts or even inaccuracies that are starting to come up with these potentiometers. So it's definitely an issue It'd be nice if at some point somebody did make a replacement potentiometer. And a lot of you might think, well, what's so hard about it? Why not just buy a new replacement? And there's a lot of things that go into a potentiometer that are specific to the maker model. You've got the layout, you've got the length of the shaft, you've got, it's either knurled or D shaft. Is it board mounted? And that loudness tap being correct is really important with the way the rest of the amplifier operates. So there's a lot of things that go into finding or sourcing a replacement potentiometer that a lot of people might not think about. You might be able to find something close. There's going to be compromises. And when you're talking about, you know, a really nice vintage piece, a lot of times people just choose to live with those little issues they're having with them. If you're OCD and you want your volume pot to be absolutely static-free, smooth, no dropouts, these might be a integrated amplifier that you might wanna steer away from. When we buy these for resale, that is the first thing I look at. I wanna make sure that that pot has no issues with it because 
it's really hard to sell one of these and have to explain to the customer, by the way, one side of the amplifier is louder than the other. There's nothing else wrong with it. It's just the volume potentiometer. And they look at you like, hmm, it just really makes for a hard sell. And Sansui isn't the only one that used these potentiometers. Um, even if it's not made by Alps, a lot of other companies have problematic volume pots. The first one that comes to my mind is like the, the CA-1010 by Yamaha. A lot of these multi-gang volume pots that are really proprietary, they can be really hard to find. And when you do see them, when one does come up that is in good condition, you better be willing to pay for it because uh, I've seen some of these volume pots online and people are wanting $300 for them because they know that you don't have an alternative. So, but these integrateds um, that I mentioned, you definitely wanna watch out for because we've definitely had more issues with these three models than any other models in the AU line. And I think it's pretty well documented out there. We're not alone in this. So it's just better to know, buyer beware. And what's the easiest way to find out if your Sansui has these pots? Because after making these videos, we usually get a flood of emails and a flood of phone calls. And we just don't have the time to find out if your amplifier, your receiver has an issue. The best thing to do is Google it. Go to the search bar, type Sansui AU717 volume pot, hit enter, and then hit images. And if you see images of an encased pot, then that is what you're looking for. I wish we had time to answer everybody's emails and questions, but uh, it is absolutely impossible. So unfortunately, if you've reached out with a question like that and you didn't hear back from us, that is why. We would absolutely have to hire a full-time person with knowledge to do nothing but field phone calls about equipment and what you should buy and if these speakers are right for your amplifier. And I just can't afford it. I'm sorry. I'd love to be able to help. In a perfect world, we would, but we can't. And the next one on our list, we're not going to do a deep dive on. Uh, we've covered this in another buyer beware list. I just wanted to say a couple more things and answer a couple follow-up questions from that last one. And this is the 9090 and 8080DB. These are awesome receivers, uh, 85 watts and 125 watts monster receivers from maybe the heyday of vintage audio, the mid 70s. They've got the look, they've got the nice warm sound a lot of people are looking for, plenty of power, it's everything you want. Unfortunately, it's the DB board with the 8080 and the 9090 DB that's becoming the problem. And it really all comes down to the wiring they use to incorporate this Dolby board with these two receivers. Unfortunately, it's really hard to find a technician that either has the time or is willing to work on them. It's very time consuming to work on one of these. A lot of times it doesn't have a high success rate. I, mean, I think I know four or five technicians in the Des Moines area that work on vintage receivers and none of them want to work on them. So just keep that in mind. It's unfortunate, but it's just the reality of it. And the thing I didn't say in the last time we talked about this that I want to address is a lot of people wanted to know if this also affected the other Sansui DB models like the G9000 DB. And it does not. This really is specific to the 8080 DB and the 9090 DB. After those, they really simplified the way that the Dolby board was integrated. It really is just those two. 
And our next one on the list is the Sansui 5000. And the 5000s were in production from 1968 to 1972. And you've got three iterations of this receiver. You've got the regular 5000, the 5000A, and the 5000X. At the time, these were the Sansui flagship models. These are really nice receivers. All three of these, especially at the time when they came out, were considered to be monster receivers. These were all around the 50 watt per channel range. So you've got plenty of power, all the inputs and outputs you need, nice wood furniture grade cabinetry, all the bells and whistles as far as inputs and outputs go. The issue with these 5000s actually might be the most important one of any of these. And that is while they are manufacturing the 5000X midway through the build, they started to have a lot of failures with the 5000 and the 5000A using the same driver board that they were installing in the 5000X. And Sansui had a problem on their hands in that the driver board, the F1040 board inside of the early 5000 and the 5000As were starting to get brought into repair centers, needing that board replaced because they had actually caught on fire. It was pretty obvious that this board was defective and they needed to make a change and they needed to replace these 1040 boards really as soon as possible. So mid run in the 5000X line, you'll find 5000Xs with the 1040 board, and then what replaced the 1040 board would be the F6013 board. And to avoid a lot of potential lawsuits, Sansui issued a recall. And from what I read online, this recall program actually went on for 12 years they offered this. Whereas if you brought your Sansui 5000 into an authorized repair center for Sansui, they would do the board replacement for you for free. And being that a lot of people that sold them to their customers might not have had a way of getting a hold of them, a lot of these boards didn't get changed out. We've actually had quite a few Sansui 5000s and A's come in that are working just fine with the original board. These boards need to get rebuilt. There are several kits on eBay. It's really kind of a tedious process and it takes some time. So that is why this is on the buyer beware list and that if you go to purchase one of these, this is something you wanna make sure has been done. Either it's got the replacement board in it or that the original 1040 board has been modified to where it's safe to run. And you definitely want to make sure that you're not overpaying for one of these, knowing that there might be a pretty expensive service bill in your future, because you really need to do this. Even if you're on the, ah, it's been working 50 years, um, it's running just fine. My advice would be to either unplug the receiver from the wall if you're not in the same room with it, or put it on a power strip and shut it off when you leave. You don't want a fire starting in your house when you're not around. That was nice of Sansui to offer that recall program for 12 years, but uh, most likely it was more that they were just trying to keep the lawsuits at bay, let's just be honest. And the Sansui speakers from the 70s are really deceptive. You've got really good furniture grade cabinets. You got that really ornate wood lattice grill. They usually have really massive woofers in them several mid-range drivers and a few tweeters looking at them you know if you're into loud rock music you'd probably think man those things are going to sound awesome you know they're they're going to blow me away i think this tactic worked because they sold a lot of them the problem is a lot of these sp sansui kabuki speakers they sound like kabuki that's where the term comes from 
I don't think there's a modern speaker designer out there or a speaker CAD program that would give thumbs up on really any of these speakers. There's just way too many drivers in one cabinet, and the cabinet really is undersized for the amount of speakers. Anytime you have several speakers in one cabinet and several crossover points, you're going to have overlap in frequencies. That's definitely the case with these. The SP1500s, SP2000s, the more common 70s Sansui speakers with all the drivers in it, they sound really boxy. There's no depth to them. Yes, they might produce high SPLs, but nothing really to justify the lack of definition and clarity and everything else that I want in a speaker. You know, we have a lot of trouble selling Sansui speakers at the shop because customers can come in and AB speakers. Why they might come in and they might see them and they might like the look of them because they want that super retro-y look. Once we start ABing them with other speakers, they immediately walk on by them. So when we have people call locally, they're, they're wanting to sell Sansui speakers. Most of the time, I really just pass on them because um, it's really hard to sell if you're going to AB them. For some of you out there that maybe have only listened to your Sansui speakers in your living room for the last 20 or 30 years, and, and maybe you swear by them, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you like these speakers, don't listen to my opinion anyway, because it's just my opinion. But when you start putting other speakers next to it, it becomes very clear, at least to me and almost everybody that walks through our door, that there are better speakers out there for the same price. You know, if, if you're a brand matcher, and you want your entire system to be the same brand, you're kind of stuck. But if it were me and I was out shopping for a pair of speakers, Sansui probably wouldn't be one of them I'd be looking at. And we'll for sure get people in the comments that will say, well, you got to change out the capacitors. The capacitor makes all the difference in the world. And while I agree, changing out the capacitors or even doing a little upgrade with film caps, it will improve it, but it doesn't improve it enough. The other issue with the Sansui speakers or any speaker that has several drivers in it, a lot of times we find that people will bring them in and they say, yeah, they work great, they sound great. What they don't realize is only one of the mid-ranges is working or only one of the tweeters is working. And so you really have to verify that each one of those drivers is working before you buy them because we've seen it a lot. And here's a quick tip on how to check if all the drivers are working, just in case you're over at somebody's house and you're not going to start pulling drivers out and testing them individually. What I do is grab a big piece of cardboard and cut like a three inch hole in it. And what you want to do is maybe turn the base all the way down. If you've tested the woofer, it's got good base. You don't need to worry about that. I'm, I'm more talking about the tweeters and the mid-range drivers. Use that piece of cardboard to kind of isolate. You'll move it around the speaker and just make sure you've got audio coming out of each one of those. And it's easier to do when the cardboard is blocking the sound of the other speakers. That's the whole point of using the cardboard test. You definitely want to make sure you do this if you are planning on buying a Sansui set of speakers with several drivers in it or any other speaker for that matter. This is a good way to do it. Make sure you also wiggle those pots in the back. Any set of speakers, not just Sansui. Any set of speakers that has L pads or uh, pots on the back to adjust the mid or the treble range, you want to make sure you wiggle those back and forth a bunch. If nobody's moved them in a while, it's possible that they're just not passing audio through them anymore. So it might not be a bad tweeter or mid range, it might actually be the potentiometer or the L pad on the back side of the speaker. Always do that because a lot of times you don't have a bad driver. 
you've got a dirty potentiometer. I'm sorry for those out there that love Sansui speakers. Um, I'm sure there's stuff that that I like that you would say the same thing about. So, you know, this, again, this is just good, clean audio fun. We're just having a discussion. Don't get worked up over it. It's just my opinion anyway. But that opinion really is packed up by everybody that comes through because I try not to put my opinion on people when they come in because uh, what's the point of that? You know, I try and keep my opinion to myself, why people are listening and picking out what they want. A lot of times, if and when we do have Sansui speakers, I'm happy when somebody loves them because I don't want to try and talk somebody into them. It's just not who I am. You know, it's not, it's not cool at all. So, and so those are my big buyer bewares for Sansui. There are definitely more of them out there, but those are the ones we see all the time. All these manufacturers have their, you know, their missteps. For the most part, the stuff in the 70s is built really well. I just want to make sure if you are out in the market for any of these products that, you know, you're informed because there's nothing worse than buying something and finding out it's got an issue or a known issue that you weren't aware of before you bought it. So I appreciate you watching another video for sure. Definitely head over to skylabsaudio.com. Take advantage of that free shipping on orders $99 or more. That is at least gonna go through the holidays till the end of December. And we'll see you in the next video. Thank you.